You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on stag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew to eat hog moths confiscated from a Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the shape of a war theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. The revolution will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nub. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on the court from 29 District. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on the rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still life of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he has been saving for just the proper occasion. Green Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on Search for Tomorrow, because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry R. Women Liberationist and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. The theme song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Key, nor sung by Glenn Campbell, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, Engelbert Humperdinck, or The Rare Earth. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live. Delay Radio, Radio Pole, with you, Satanshi, Radio Jesser, Radio Gaspoherka, The Breach Radio. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is The Bridge Radio once again this morning, and uh, we are here right in the studio at FSK again this morning. I have a very interesting program for you already up front, and uh, we are going to be presenting you some of these programs as we go along. I just have to remind you what we have been trying to talk about in our last programs. Uh, Specifically today, we are still focusing on the institutions and their ways of practice on black and brown people, and most especially minority groups and um, indigenous people around the world, not just only in Europe. So what we are going to be trying to expose today is how systematic oppression actually basically works. So that's 
Ellie, our theme for today's program. But before I get into that, I uh, get a little bit more music coming up your way, and this one is called Zombie. And because of how we think about the system, that's why I've chosen this song for you today. Please enjoy it. those of us who know Fela Kuti and when we're talking about systematic oppression, this is basically a song dedicated to a lot of the systematic oppressions, the military, the political class and uh, the police in my country called Nigeria. Uh, this is a dedication of a song to them uh, in sense of like why they should behave more humanly to people and not treat them or behave like zombies when they are just obeying the rules and regulations uh, they are asked to carry out. So this is also, in a way, we are trying to reach out to the uh, civil society, to the institutions, not to only act as people without no human conscience.
On today's show, I have got a very interesting uh, individual who came into our studio to have a, a conversation together with us about uh, institutional oppression, uh, mainly here in the West. So what we are going to be talking about, or the voice you are going to be hearing, is from the, um, Mrs. Buhalia uh, Sorensen from Denmark, who is also the one of the persons who created the Black Lives Matter in Denmark. So she's going to be talking from that perspective in a while. So we are going to be going straight into the interview uh, because we also started the program quite a little bit early, uh, late today. So I will bring you the interview coming up now and I hope you stay, um, you stay tuned and uh, follow what we are going to be talking about uh, in a bit. So but before I go on to that, um, I would like to remind you that you are still listening to The Bridge Radio and uh, we are playing today and as always in collaboration with FSK. So this is the interview coming your way. Today uh, on the program I have with me one of our strong leading figures in the black community, minority communities, who, who works with um, the detention of uh, refugees, migrants, um, minority groups and she's a very uh, important person in our community and she's going to be my guest today and the person i'm going to be talking to is uh, mrs bualia sorensen uh, please mrs bualia could you please uh, introduce yourself to our audience yeah um yeah as i said my name is bualia sorensen and i'm uh, in 2016 uh, october i accepted an invitation um from the Black Lives Matter USA to start a chapter mm. of Black Lives Matter in Denmark. Yeah. Um, I had been asked earlier and and had uh, explained that I was in the middle of a project with uh, humanitarian visits to a prison uh, for rejected asylum seekers and other migrants. Mm. Um, but what I what I saw in that prison. Um, disgusted me and it, it shocked me and it um, and it moved me to a point I was sure I had to I had to fight this and through a humanitarian organization that was not possible to make a political protest mm -hmm. so I grabbed the chance to start to use uh, start and use Black Lives Matter uh, as uh, a tool um, and a ship to fight this battle. And I believe it was a it was a very fitting uh, um, organization to choose, and it was uh, because it is about black lives, and uh, these places do cost black lives. Mm. So, um, and and it and it's also it was that in Wissosalillo, the prison I was visiting on a weekly basis, yeah. um, there were everybody in that prison was black or brown. 
and all the guards were white. And I wondered, are there no illegal aliens from Russia or from white Russia or from uh, other white countries um, who uh, who perhaps uh, also are in Denmark illegally or, or overstayed their visit? How come everybody in this prison is black and brown? Yeah. So it, it was a, a strong indicator of uh, structural racism, which we'll go into, but it really uh, showed it was um, that Black Lives Matter was really uh, a, the best tool to use um, in this regard. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about that specifically, um, I just have to remind our audience today that our topic for this today's program or the series we are doing right now is entitled "The Oppression." of black and brown bodies, including that of the indigenous and minority groups. And uh, we are going to be talking about this uh, systematic oppressions and uh, the oppression of black and brown bodies in general. So that's why we have brought also people who work within the communities who try to um, educate and re-educate the society, mainly the Western society, about what uh, the the institutions does and the discrimination and the the, the objectifying of black and brown bodies and uh, the oppression so that's going to be our theme today and if i had to remind everyone what promoted this is also the experience we have from the communities about how black and brown bodies are being used are being uh, killed uh, uh, being subjected into different kinds of um, oppression. So if I have to go into my main topic today, which is about that oppression, I will have to ask you, um, could you please uh, explain a little bit what you found in this field, also when you're talking about the prison now, what you thought was shocking or that was disturbing in the sense that it is engineered um, it is a mechanism that is also from the system itself that oppresses the black and brown bodies. Why do you think that this was a fight that is dignified that you have to pick upon? Yeah. Well, you know, um, Denmark, uh, Danish people, are a, a traveling nation. They always have been, um, right from the Viking times. <laughs> yeah, they, they like to travel around the world. So we know our young people are out there with rucksacks on their back mm -hmm. um, at different borders across the world every single day. Every single day there's somewhere, somewhere, yeah. or every single month there's at, on each at, at borders, Danes approach and ask for entry. Mm. Now, um, when you ask for entry, and the reason why there is a border is for the country to say yes or no. If you do not want a person to come in, you can reject them and say, please go back into the country from where you came from. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you're in Germany at the Danish border, you'll be asking uh, this. If you're at, uh, at the, um, in uh, Zambia trying to cross in from Zimbabwe, yeah. you also ask and they can tell you go back into Zimbabwe. No, no matter where you come from, we don't accept you mm -hmm. if you do not want them. But what was happening here was um, when people reached the border, they, instead of turning them back, they were being put into prison and captured, and 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 not just for one day or two days until they got them a new flight, um, as is custom all around the world. They were now Denmark has become like Iran when people go uh, trekking in their mountains uh, in the mountains and then happen to by accident or or willfully 
cross into Iranian territory, they put them into prison for months and months and months. Now, um, this also happened, this is what the Danes were doing, just pulling young men off trains. And, and many, many of them also were perhaps uh, traveling from Germany to Sweden. Uh, they've been living in Germany under, with uh, plus or minus papers or some, under some form of non-permanent status. And they just wanted to, perhaps they wanted to, they have family in Norway and Sweden. And if for many years, when, as we've had the Schengen uh, Agreement, they have been able to, to navigate freely and had not realized at this point that the border now was closed. Now, this is where it, you could easily just turn them back and say, please go back into Germany. Mm-hmm. They pulled them off the trains or off the bus, and they then proceeded to, to jail them. Uh, and not just for a few days, but for a very long time. Um, in the meantime, the Danish government, which who had come to power based on uh, on hate with with a coalition with uh, Dance Volkerparti, which is like uh, Sweden Democrats, or which is like it is a far it, it is a right wing um, immigration uh, hostile uh, multicultural hostile. Um, Party, yeah. and they did not have enough votes for to be able to to create uh, uh, laws and to stay in government. That's why they made a coalition with this party, and the, and and they, and they found out that the more hatred you spewed out, uh, the more you got a certain segment of people. The more you scared people, you had to scare people mm. into thinking. Um, because a lot of racism is based on fear. Yeah. Now, if you fear mongers, and this is what they were in, like, hey, there are so many in- immigrants coming into this country, and they are pouring over the border, and there's a there's a refugee crisis, um, one that did not exist because people were really just passing through to get to Sweden or to Norway. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, at, at this particular time, they even they opened this new prison, which happens to be one hour from my home. Mm. Uh, in uh, one hour, sorry, just one kilometer, one and a half kilometers from my home, mm-hmm. uh, and um, it, it, this prison has been open from from the 1800s and until today, uh, yeah, until this, um, yeah, last year it was, or um, 2016, they 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 took out all the all the 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 rapists because there are three high security prisons in Denmark and this is one of them mm-hmm. one of the two worst yeah. and it it had the long term high security prisoners they took them out they took out all the instruments the what is normally you know prisoners here play in bands they cook their own food they they um they have a, a, tra- a fitness um, center a training room yeah. and they and all this was removed. All this was removed before they put in non-criminal rejected mm-hmm. asylum seekers and migrants and whoever happened to be they happened to grab on the street. But this this prison was extremely expensive, yeah. and um, it was not necessary. So yeah. they start they started to and we were told when I went in there I was told and I believe as the rest of the Danish people is that when they are about to deport somebody after a fair um, asylum process trial. Then, they, before they book your ticket, three weeks before, they put you in the prison while they are booking your ticket so they don't waste the money on the ticket. This was not true. 
And we came in there, and this was just not true. It was full of people who were full and full wealth. There were 50 guards, and there were like 20 people in there. Sometimes there were only 18. But it was a prestige project for, and, and a pro, fear-mongering project, symbol politics. And when they could, and if you remove the people who weren't supposed to be there, there would only be, be there would only be um, ten rejected asylum seekers. The rest were people who were kidnapped on the street uh, because they didn't have the right papers, or they thought they didn't have the right papers. And if you're black and you explain, oh my ba- my passport was stolen, uh, or something, or you have a perfectly good explanation, you go to the police to just report that oh I lost my passport, they grab you and throw you in there for months and months. It was a crime against humanity, against human rights, uh, against international law, and and uh, and they were not telling the truth about it. And I, we felt we had to protest and tell the truth about it. Yeah. Another thing. Yeah. yeah no, no, I just wanted to uh, when we are talking about the um, prison industrial system, which is yeah. also when we are talking in general how that um, is part of either criminalizing and uh, mm. projecting that also the population of people who are fueled in these prisons are mainly criminals, which are usually um, minority group, indigenous people. And then we talk about refugees and migrants of today, because if we look back uh, during the prison uh, industrial complex, the people who has always fueled, or the majority of the people who has always fueled these prisons, are usually black and brown people or minority groups. And exactly. Of recently now, this minority group in the last few years, this minority group included those people who are also fleeing from their home, who has been rejected by the system here. And then there is a system that has been created in order to criminalize these people and also imprison them. So we are talking about, in general, in this program, about systematic uh, killing of black and brown bodies. So do you think, in your views and in what you work with, uh, or the experiences you've had working in these places, do you think the industri- uh, prison industrial complex also is part of the systematic mechanism that actually kills black and brown bodies and criminalizes them today. Yeah, I think I think in, in Denmark they desperately try to keep them alive because people dying are a scandal, and um, the papers have had a big uh, one of the main papers in in Denmark made a huge. Uh, article about how Black Lives Matter is not necessary in this country, mm-hmm. um, trying to minimize the, and w- without highlighting where, why we are here. And while they've been um, their reporters, I feed, I've been feeding uh, their, uh, journalists, inclusive, including some of their reporters with information, but they just have not told us or told their editors or, or told the public where they got the information. They, uh, they, but the fact, the fact is, maybe not all the way dead, but there is a great, uh, uh, what do you call it, like almost like a, a form of torture mm. when you when you're trying to drag somebody out who's who's telling you, look, if I go to Afghanistan, I'm going to die, mm. and um, if if you send me back, then they struggle. These people struggle, and this is where the physical abuse and the violence. Um, I would call this, I would really say, violence against 
uh, black and, and brown bodies. Because what triggered that we've experienced uh, uh, different cases within the prison system. Mm. Um, I will get into more of that a little later because uh, with the suicide, with suicides which are alarmingly high, um, or maybe not alarmingly considering the, the situation. But um, what it was, there was a person who was about to be uh, deported, mm -hmm. and uh, they had this man struggled to save his life because he knew he would get killed when he arrived in his home country. Mm -hmm. So the, 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 a, a, group, a large group of people, um, officials and police and, and prison guard, arrived one day, and they um, put a needle in his neck to uh, with anesthetic um, uh, to knock him out simply. And while they, but when what provoked me the most and what traumatized the other inmates was the fact that when there are so many people, they had every reason to be able to pick up this man and share. And, and carry him out in mm. a dignified manner. Yeah. But they they dragged his unconscious body across the floor, dragged him. This man had a razor blade, and he bit on the razor blade. He put it in his mouth, and he bit on the razor blade. So he was covered, his whole stomach was covered with blood. His tongue was bleeding. They dragged him onto the plane, and and they actually hired a private plane for him and a little family of two with mum, dad, and a child, dragged him and had him in a, in a restraining belt uh, like they use on psychiatric patients um, where his arms couldn't move, mm. move uh, which is a high risk of, uh, of, um, uh, of stroke. Mm. It's, it's possible to get a blood clot uh, stuck if you do that so quite quite when it is for so many hours um but they kept dragging him i suppose uh, as well and when they reached kabul he struggled and yelled look i'm christian i'm until they they uh, and the officials said to them you need to take this man back home to denmark because it, it's dangerous for him that everybody in the airport has heard he said he's christian so with the minute we let him out of here he will be dead mm. please Take him back to Denmark, yeah. which is which is exactly what happened. And um, and and this and when we went to there, the violence is just the physical violence was on him, but the psychological violence was on the other inmates. Yeah, because I have ne I have never seen people so traumatized as I saw these. They were their their mouths. Their mouths were dry. They could not eat. They could not drink. When we visited them, we, they, they did not want to sit down to even have a cup of coffee. They were fit, they were psychologically tortured by this experience, mm. and they and and this has they were also tortured by. Uh, there was an, um, an, a man in the prison who uh, was extremely traumatized, uh, had was suffering from post traumatic stress disorder from the war. Mm. And he, the minute he closed his eyes, the visions of what had happened to him, he had lost both his legs, mm -hmm. uh, came back. And he would scream in his sleep. Yeah. And nobody slept in that prison. Everybody could hear him screaming all night. So the, the other men started to go into their, his cell to try to get him to eat, to help him, collect food for him. 
but it, that again was a massive stress, stress factor. Whenever they try to deport somebody else and you're listening to the whole thing, that is a major, major psychological, uh, painful violence and stress and stress factor. And uh, and they appealed to us, so we um, started a campaign and a, and a conversations with Red Cross with. That's for the Danish Refugee Council until he was removed from the prison. So it's so it's this kind of thing. Um, also, just walking in, walking by a cell and finding somebody hanging dead, mm-hmm. and seeing that they've seen uh, they have the experiences of seeing that with their own eyes. And um, this, these these uh, incidents are generally covered up or not spoken about, not even in the press. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, uh, at the moment. We are um, we are preparing for a memorial protest march because for an Eritrean man who has protested, uh, sorry, Ethiopian, he has been protesting, um, trying to ensure the authorities, I will die if I go back to Ethiopia, and I will not die a gentle death. Mm-hmm. I will be killed. Yeah. And he uh, has been, um, he, he was... Uh, uh, on hunger strike for a long time, so they force-fed him. But instead of, they were fully aware that he does not eat pork, mm-hmm. yet they force-fed him with pork. Mm-hmm. So in uh, the the pressure, was, and they kept him, he, he had his fingerprints in Germany, yeah. so they could have just negotiated with the German, uh, German uh, embassy, but they want to keep that prison full. Mm. Uh, they could have asked the Germans, please take this man back. He is one of yours. This was normal procedure yeah. before. And, but not, but they, now it seems um, uh, sometimes there are some people they just want to keep, or maybe the Germans have stopped. Uh, I don't know what went wrong in the system, but they kept this man. And this man has family in Sweden. He's also been an asylum seeker. They could have sent him to Germany. They could have sent him to Sweden. Um, uh, but... They, everything was refused, and month after month after month, they kept this man. In the end, he committed suicide. And uh, when we heard about this tra- uh, tragic incident, we started to ask the Ethiopian and the Eritrean community for more information for his name. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and they told us, oh, this is within the, within the past six eight months. This is the sixth death. And we're talking just Ethiopian and Eritrean. Mm. We are they 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 have no idea about the Afghan, the Iraq, the Iraqi, the Iranian, mm-hmm. other suicides. Yeah. Africa. They have they have they, they are telling us the two the, the the ones they hear about, the ones the community are aware of and yeah. they say if they capture people at the border, then we and our community hasn't been presented to this person, then we don't know yet. So if there are other people like that who have just been taken from the border straight to prison, then maybe the, the number of, of suicides are, is higher. So uh, yes, when you're talking about the deaths and the lives of black and brown bodies, yeah. well, uh, there you go. It, it is a problem. So now, of course, um, we want our protest to be based on facts. So we are asking we are in dialogue with the embassies in Stockholm, the consulate here, to try and find more specific information, even though it is difficult to get information out of them. But we are working um, hard. And the, as, as, uh, so pictures, we are receiving pictures 
and uh, friends, because there are people who um, work closely, uh, humanitarian agencies work closely, who did not believe this number. So now we are, people are producing, we've asked the, the people, they are producing photographs and solid evidence about uh, showing and with names who has died in the past. It just and this is just in the past eight months. Okay. So and th and this is just one na nationality. So yes, it is about the lives of of black men. One day when the glory comes, it will be ours. It will be ours. So the voice you were just hearing that interview we're hearing was from Buwalia, and we're still going to continue. But the song coming away right now. It's uh, common and John Lennon, and this features. Oh, it's called Glory, and one day, someday, we know we are gonna be at the mountaintop shouting glory for freedom. Hands to the heavens, no man, no weapon. Formed against, yes, glory is destined. Everyday women and men become legends. Sins that go against our skin become blessings. The movement is a rhythm to us. Freedom is like religion to us. Justice is juxtaposition in us. Justice for all just ain't specific enough. One son died, the spirit is revisiting us. True and living, living in us. Resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walk through Ferguson with our hands up. When it go down, we woman and man up. They say stay down and we stand up. Shots, we on the ground, the camera panned up. King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up. One day, when the glory comes, it will be ours, it will be Every man, woman, and child. Even Jesus got his crown in front of a crowd. They march with the torch, we gon' run with it now. Never look back, we done gone hundreds of miles. From dark roads, heroes, to become a hero. Facing the league of justice, his power was the people. Enemy is lethal, a king became regal. Saw the face of Jim Crow under a bald ego. No one can win the war individually. It take the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy. Welcome to the story we call Victory, the coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory. One day, when the glory comes, it will be ours, it will be So that was the, the music, uh, Glory, and we are going to be continuing with the interview. And I hope you're still enjoying this program as much as it's going on live in 
in our studio this morning and we are going to use this opportunity to also give a shout out to all our friends and colleagues who has also tried to make this program possible on the background and uh, we want to say specifically thank you to Katrina for her help in contributing to today's program and we are also going to be playing a song dedicated to her later on in in the program but before we do that uh, i would like to take you back to the interview and i want you to for us to listen to what Puelia finally was saying in the interview but so we go back to the interview right now specifically talking about this uh, violence that you mentioned earlier we uh, there is a case of recently that just came up uh, of uh, a, another brother from the community who is named Tony Mbobda uh, who was uh, also killed by the uh, in the in, in in the hospital by the security guards in the hospital um, uh, and at the end of the day he was also blamed or he's been blamed by the media and the hospital for being very violent and caused his death at the end of the day. Um, a lot of the times when people like this in from our communities die, whatever violence that has made them to either take their life or forced that their life was taken, um, uh. the systems, the policies that is in place that makes people to take their life or uh. force their lives to be taken either through the uh, uh, prison system, uh, through the hospital system, through the social system or the refugee camps, all of this violence will not be taken into consideration to say it is this violence that actually causes people to take their life. Rather, this blame is going to be blamed on the individual or the communities that actually lost their own person when they complain. And then I just wanted to mention what do you think in the sense of the violence itself because we are some of the times focusing on the violence that the institutions themselves have presented as the reason why this person died as you mentioned there are very statistics of some few individuals who make it to our communities to say they have died or their life was taken through the institutions like the one you're fighting for now in Denmark with the Eritrean man or the man from Afghanistan. These are the stories we hear. But there is uh -huh. no statistics being kept by the state itself, at least I would tell from my experience in Denmark. During uh -huh. the last few years, we have, I'm talking only from experience of what I know. Yeah, During well, the, the thing is, there used to be a racist institution and, a, and a, what do you call it? Um, um, I can't remember exactly what it was called, this institution, but it was about structural uh, keeping, educating people, intervening. And these places have been shut down, cut off mm. by, the, by the last government. They don't exist anymore. So, no, there are no count, there, there's no counting. And even people who know a lot about the prisons, they are surprised when we're giving them the figures we're giving them now. Um, and, and talking about deaths, I should also mention that in November 2017, 2017 the, um, a man, an um, uh, Algerian man, was uh, killed during deportation. Um, uh, yeah, they that, dragged that, him that on also, the plane and they forced him. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, there, and it's a question. It's an answer to your question about um, the secret, the secrecy, mm -hmm. because 
Ten months later, journalists contacted his family. Yeah. Uh, uh, and they were like, wanted to find out the background story of this. So they contacted his family in um, in Algeria. Yeah. And they uh, and first they asked the Danish government, uh, "Did you give back the body? Did you um, did you contact the family?" And they said, "We have tried to contact the family. We have failed. It mm-hmm. was not possible." Mm-hmm. But it it took the journalists three days to find the the family. Mm-hmm. Three days. Which means Very they did not even try. They did not even try. Which is also and, the problem and, here. In like, yeah, and and when they did find the family, the the brother had found in the in some forum somewhere of migrant Algerians, probably or something. There he found uh, the news of his brother's death. Mm. This is how. So the family, but it took some months, and the family were informed at that time, mm-hmm. and then they were interviewed and asked who he was and everything, and so and. Um, and there, they have absolutely uh, denied, the authorities have denied any responsibility for this death um, and said he died of natural causes. There have been no, there have been no uh, consequences. Or, and that story has just been accepted for the way that it is. But the very fact that they did not inform the family mm-hmm. uh, um, is an indicator. Is an indicator for me, and also shows that they they're not really they don't really want to um, pay him. Um, they pay the company because when you your uh, when your family member, no matter how he dies, dies in the hands of the police. Yeah, you're supposed to pay compensation, and they don't want to pay that compensation. Yeah, so, I mean, um, no, sorry. Yeah, so they weren't they were not at all uh, motivated to try to find this 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 man's family. So um, yeah. I mean, we are talking about at least, let's say, I remember him because there was also an article about him in 2017, about mm-hmm. even the, the, the states or some of the people in the government saying that they tried. But at the same mm-hmm. time, they also blamed him for not reject, for rejecting to go willingly at first. And also, like, mm-hmm. he caused the violence that killed him during the time of deportation. That's actually what I'm trying to say, that most of these people who have died uh, during the process of this violence, that is portrayed by the states or these institutions, that they have no responsibility and they do not see their acts as violence or that that the violence that they put on people actually causes people to react and um, either take their own life or put in the situation where the institutions or the individuals who represent the institutions actually take the people's life and at the same time blame them for it. This violence, some of the times we look at the people, the victims of this violence, as the ones who are responsible for their deaths, taking away every responsibility from the institution, not looking at the violence of the institution, which has caused the, the person's death, and these yeah. institutions continue to work and get funding. Uh, they are continue to uh, grow, even with all their whole human rights um, uh, violations, the violence that they put that they, they put into people and into the society. We, as a society, or here in the West, do not look at this as violence. We only consider mm-hmm. the violence which the state or these institutions has many of the times uh, presented as to why these individuals lost their life. 
Yeah, and it, it it also shows because people complain when we say Black Lives Matter, they say yeah, but all lives matter, white lives matter. Mm-hmm. But when when news like that comes out, how many people care? There is a segment of the left wing, especially who are totally disgusted with this, and they share it and they comment it and they. But the basic mainstream public just don't care. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a, a huge. They read it and thought, oh my god, and and got on with their lives. Um, and this, so this is again about the how precious is the life of who died? Yeah. Was it a, was it, if, uh, was it a blonde girl in Morocco who who's been murdered, where the whole country stops and oh my god? Or is it a, a migrant dying on the plane? This is the difference of standards that you lay on on uh, human life, mm-hmm. where where. Um, they, uh, human lives are equal. They're, they're equal to each other in this way. And now that you've got into the subject of um, of uh, the police exonerating themselves and so on, mm-hmm. um, we uh, another leg of our struggle in uh, Black Lives Matter has been how um, until 2016, 2017, the police used to have a habit. It's I'll call it a hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they would, for entertainment, go and harass and arrest black migrants. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Um, they would, and if they, they, uh, I, I've experienced that when I've been talking to black migrants and they see a police van, they start to run away. Yeah. And I, I got annoyed. So why are you running? And the, the danger, the police aren't dangerous in this country. But I got wiser. Uh, they educated me about their reality. Yeah. And um, very soon after, just a few days after our first event in Black Lives Matter, um, all the bottle collectors, um, all the homeless black people in a park in Copenhagen North yeah. uh, were Nogobra. all arrested. Yeah, in Nurburgring, they were all arrested. They were, they were there together because... These are generally, they're not, uh, some of, uh, um, a lot of homelessness in this country is due to drug addiction and alcohol abuse, which is not a problem these men have at all. So other homeless people find it, even some of the drunk white homeless people, they find it a safe space to lie among them and lie together with them. Mm -hmm. So they got a fine, all of them, they were all, uh, they were arrested for lying in the park, but they only took the black people. Yeah, they left the white people. So, but then they charged them for lying in the park. You're not allowed to lie in the park. So this Black Lives Matter challenged loudly and uh, went to the prison and and uh, uh, did a spontaneous demonstration outside and went and approached politicians yeah. to, uh, who then realized that now there was a Black Lives Matter in Denmark and felt um, a need to, uh, to, to not give us a reason why this Black Lives Matter should exist. They felt a pride in that. Um, they felt a need to, um, to very quickly help because they, they wanted us, they thought, is this why you have Black Lives Matter in Denmark system? That race kind of racism is something that belongs to the United States. This mm-hmm. is the way the Danes look at themselves. 
So they very quickly wanted to solve this so that we could shut down Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Um, so it is unheard of. Normally these things, you have to wait one year and a half for compensation. These men got compensation for this imprisonment. Within a week, they were rewarded compensation because the politicians went ahead and said, that is not going to happen. Um, so, but uh, eventually it, it got better. And I think it's good to mention this. Because um, the struggle is long, it's tiring, it's exhausting, and it is real. Uh, but uh, it is worth mentioning that the, uh, nowadays, honor abroad, the the situation for the for the uh, black men has improved. Yes, there are still arrests sometimes if your papers aren't right. But um, this whole Ku Klux Klan arrival. Uh, shining torches in their face, every, just for just by a group of policemen who feel bored, mm-hmm. um, who like to bully people. This has stopped. This has this has stopped because every single time it happens, we confront, we send out press statements. So it has improved a lot. Um, that uh, and and compensation has had to be paid repeatedly. So now there's more, there's more care taken. It's not because everything is solved, but it's just to say, please join the struggle, and because it is not a hopeless struggle. It is a long struggle, and there's a long way to go, but there's, it's not a hopeless struggle. And it is important also for me to say that with Lisa Lilla, the, the very prison which uh, ignited the creation of the establishment of Black Lives Matter in Denmark, that prison is closed. Because there was two, it was always in the paper, and nowhere did anybody admit that it was us in the background pulling the strings, feeding the press. Uh, no credit was given, <laughs> but the biggest credit for us is that prison is closed. Yeah, okay. So, so now we, we have Ellebeck, and Ellebeck, where, where people are still dying. So, our, our struggle continues, but, I, but when you're struggling for something that has no results, that is also exhausting. This is why I feel it's very important to tell people that, yes, we are moving things. Yes, we are getting results. Yes, there are some things which are changing, even though there's still a long way to go. So that was uh, the second part of our interview, or that is the second part of our interview. We still have quite a lot coming up. In the program for you uh, we're just uh, one hour more to the program so you stay stuck with me for one hour and why you get to listen to all of this uh, about systematic oppression about how to be a better ally how to treat the society much better uh, you're stuck with me on that and right now we are going to be going to the song uh, that was dedicated to us by one of our colleagues, uh, Katrina, who is a very prominent member also in our radio. So I just want to use this opportunity to send a shout out to her and friends and families also in, in Copenhagen. So here comes a song and it's called I Owe You Nothing. I owe you nothing. I be myself, I am. 
Some of the times um, people ask, and I think maybe also I have to ask you at some point, like, what keeps you what keeps you going? Because people sometimes do ask me, like, yeah, you know, with the whole oppression and the way the system works, it's going to be very difficult to change. There's no willingness to change it, not only from the politicians, also from the uh, European public, that the structures the way it is, actually they like it the way it is. And there's not going to be a lot of uh, change. And I say to them, well, in some cases, uh, in, 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 the case, in this case, we know, or I, as an individual, know that what I am more like fighting in the system is a lost battle. But I have to also have the hope and look at yeah. the small positivities that yeah. happen in every day um, on people's life. It could just be mm. about a kid uh, smiling, uh, it's, uh, uh, referring specifically to like the detention center in Shesmark or other detention centers like Kasogo or Elebeg that you mentioned. Just yeah. people's 
it can be 100 people but the positivity of one person that the that the the aspect that you know or you see that you've made one little change or there is a little yeah, change yeah. encourages you, know, you to... yeah but do you know uh, steve um a mosquito can keep you awake all night. Mm -hmm. You know that. Yeah. One little mosquito. And you could be lying there in a very expensive hotel suite, but you can't sleep because this mosquito in your ear mm -hmm. and, it's, and you can't relax, you can't sleep. So we, Black Lives Matter, we, have, we really have no money. We have no power. We, the that we don't have a say, we don't have a, a voice. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting us and giving us a voice today. We appreciate every single time somebody passes the mic. Mm. But we intend to be the mosquito in the room. Mm. And you can't really see us, but we are there and we are the whole, because we keep on this, this uh, prison was a subject that was appearing everywhere. It, everywhere it was appearing. And in the end, especially because they didn't know where the noise was coming from. If they knew it was black people, they would have never closed that prison. But eventually they closed it. <laughs> they yes, closed it which because is... Because it was just, it was becoming a political scandal, which was unnecessary. Yes, that's um, what I'm trying to yeah. say, because somehow exactly. there was this intervention from the Black Lives Matter in Denmark. There was a little move, and of course they didn't want to embarrass themselves. Uh, yeah, and then they said, "Okay, we close visits, Lily." And just to mention how our fight is almost unendless, then we take this as one positive thing. Okay, finally they close visits, Lily, which is very good for the community at least that people are not in the same conditions for being criminalized for just either coming into the country as they say illegally or don't have the necessary papers to be there. But in the other hand we also see that they created another system. Even though they closed um, Vs. Lille, which was a long fight in order for them to recognize that this is inhumane and it is violent to put people in this place. We, like you say, the Black Lives Matter had to go on behind this, the scenes to put the strings to educate these politicians, to educate the public, to say this is inhumane. Even at that, they were not given any credit. There was nobody making mentions of their names. I'm very sure that there is a politician or whatsoever now who somehow takes the credit for closing down Mrs. Lily. Yeah. But yeah, but nobody really does. Yeah. Uh -huh. But at Sorry. the same time, there there is they have created other. Spaces like Ellebeg, they have created Shesmark. Yeah, Ellebeg was still there. And the thing is, Steve, I need to correct you on this one. They never closed it because it was inhumane. Mm -hmm. They never closed it because it was cruel. Mm -hmm. They closed it because there was too much noise. Of course yeah. it is because it's inhumane. Mm -hmm. and the, but the press had plenty. We made sure the press had plenty of things to write all the time. Yeah. There was out there, there was a new article, a new article, a new article. All the time, there was too much noise. Mm. So, and too much noise is not good for politics yeah. in a democracy. Yeah. So they closed it down to create peace so that there's not too much bad talk and negative talking. That's why they, they closed it down for their own benefit. Mm. But this is and not because they thought, OK, we better be a little bit more kind. Otherwise, they would also have closed. They would also have closed Elibet. But um, they close it. They close it down because we created too much noise. So our job now, um, yeah. What happened was, it's very important also to mention, shelf mark. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. 
that this the people who have struggled for shells not from day one mm. where because what happened with Russell is they put these people in there and we forgot about them yeah. it was like it was silent I and, yeah we were like okay there's a prison there we better do something about it one month went two months went three months went until uh, a UN uh, doctor went in there to look at the patient to look at a patient and he came out and he talked to the patient and said that is just so bad so mm-hmm. we started to struggle to get in there and we got in there this is how this is how things go because otherwise it just some building we drive past every day and no and everybody forgets about it yeah. the same it was with Shelsmark Shelsmark is out in a on a field somewhere where nobody really t- you know it's, and nobody talks about it and it was just out there but people from there came outside and said hello there is a Shelsmark yeah and demonstrate and that sowed a seed so there is so everybody in this country knows who Shelsmark is Everybody. And, and um, what happened as well, this struggle has continued. First, the people who were, had that struggle, they were spread out to other camps to, yeah. to stop the struggle. Because mm-hmm. there they knew who was, who was doing. They were on the streets in Copenhagen and demonstrating. They knew who was carrying on the struggle. Yeah. So, so um, things went quiet again because they, they dismantled and spread the whole core of who was organizing the opposition and then afterwards the people from shelves again came to trump to to uh to trampoline house and and said we need please we need help just at least help the children because they gathered all lots of families in there so there are 126 children in in the shelves nobody was talking about nobody was talking about it they collected Black Lives Matter and like six, seven other organizations and to a meeting and said, please, we need to make an issue out of Shellsmark, yeah. children. And we started to, we put, we changed our cover on uh, Black Lives Matter. So the cover became Shellsmark's children. Mm-hmm. We, we, we shared articles. We, everybody was working. Everybody was working and a group started to make demonstrations during the winter every week. Yeah. Small demonstrations where only 70 people came, 60 people came, but every single Tuesday there was a demonstration. And, um, and eventually, so what, where did it end? Here at, during the election, when they had invited for the final uh, party, they had two ra- uh, party leader rounds where all the party leaders were lined up and had to answer questions. Um, yeah. They were, they had to answer the journalists required each party leader to state what they wanted to do with shells mark mm-hmm. and there was no getting out of it you had to it, so from a no subject it became a subject on national tv that each party was asked what are you going to do about shells mark yes and and and, it, and there was no coming and that is a victory Yes. That is already there is a, is a, it's not victory. The end of it is the victory will come when we get the children out, or they renovate the whole place and change everything so everybody can cook. I think the whole place just needs to be closed down. But you can see how you can. I think in this program, rather than just telling you depressing stories, uh, it is very important and how bad the system is. It is very important for me to activate activists mm-hmm. to tell them that. If you make an effort, if you get up in the morning 
and say, let me give it 10 minutes. Let me share something. Then you can move a mountain. Mm -hmm. You can. We together have the power to make and create change. Actually, yes, uh, that's I we try very much to encourage yeah. and also bring it. Actually, that's why we are doing this educational exactly. things to be aware exactly. for people to be aware to know what is really yeah. going on and what the policies are. But now, yeah. somehow, I have to jump in here also when we talk about like appropriation or still mm. creating the same issues for people who mm. are in the same situation. Now, we mentioned about the politicians who came and they were first, or more like, they had to give an opinion about Shesmak. Mm. Uh, you have to, we have to remember in 2015 that this place, mm. or the struggle from 2015 was actually the detention of single men and women, uh, yeah. adults. And in mm. 2016, 2017, it suddenly turned mm. into a detention center. Even with this awareness, there was activists saying, uh, we are trying from the center itself to say to people in the public, look at what is going on. We want the place to be closed. This is inhumane. Um, yeah. Few years later, as the mm. struggle continued and people were scattered in different places, the system killed the struggle so that people do not get to hear it anymore. Mm. It, a few years later, the same place is still being used to detain not only adults this time but children just is being used for children and their families and in so many ways these families are also being incriminated of recently because we still have people who we talk to there who still live there would some of the mothers themselves have been incriminated that they are the ones who have kept their children and themselves hostage Oh my God! Yes, because, blaming. Yeah, Victim, because yeah, Victim because blaming, yeah, because because I talked about this at the first time when we talk about like people will be put into a system whereby mm. they are forced, their their human rights obligations are taken away, the prosperity mm. of being able to have a life and live a life, it, it's mm. taken away, is restricted from them, and at the same time they are made scapegoats for being in the situation in which they are. Where, exactly. where you're seeing this now with these families, they are forced to be in this place, taking away every right that they have simply because they are illegal in the country, as assumed, or they rejected the asylum. Mm -hmm. But kept, kept their children, taking away their rights and the rights of their families to be able to take care of their children and at the same time mm -hmm. blame them for being there and keeping their children there, not accepting to go back to their countries, even knowing yeah. that many of them cannot go back to their countries. It's unsafe to yeah. go back to their countries. The, the country can, Denmark cannot return them to their countries, but they keep them there and still yeah. blame them for it. So what my critical view is, if all these politicians, even before the elections, if we are demanding for change and people let's say activist, when I talk about appropriation of the struggle, uh, mm. when I'm saying that, I'm saying that also from the Western point of view because we see that all the time that our struggles are being appropriated, are used mm. in different ways. So I'm just yeah. trying to say, what would you think or what do you say when there is people themselves who are fighting for these rights, for the dignity, for the right of human beings not just for themselves but also for the right of other um 
human beings out there and saying, we need these human rights, we need this to change. They are not seen mm -hmm. as people who are doing the fight themselves, but they are seen as people who are uh, actually either victims or people that needs to be helped and not seen as people yeah. who are actually yeah. fighting for the real human rights obligations in the yeah. West. Well, ex excuse me for generalizing, but um, white people like to appropriate things. Mm. And they like Amer and in the West in uh, Europe they like they like American things they like Black American culture, and Black American culture is very strongly tied up with civil rights movement, with a struggle against racism, with a struggle against oppression, mm -hmm. and for the lives of Black and Brown men. So they uh, this is part of what they want to appropriate this and be part of it and read all the books and but. But uh, no matter what happens, you will never be the person in, in that situation. It's like, um, I, 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 I'm black mm -hmm. and, and, fight for, and fight against racism. Yeah. Um, and no matter how much somebody else, uh, you, you can read, you can go to university and read about race and read about the civil rights movement. You'll never, ever, ever understand even what a three-year-old, what a... Not three, perhaps, but five-year-olds who started in, in first-year school yeah. and understands by this time and feels racism. Mm -hmm. You can't. You can read all the books in the world. You'll never ever understand if you're not in that situation when you're right. Exactly. When you're white, so you need to you need to take a seat and respect that. And when you see yourself as I'm the expert, yeah. and you push, which is a lot of that is happening in Denmark, and you push yourself to the forefront ignoring and not listening and not passing the mic to the people who are affected by the struggle, yeah. then, then that is a major problem. Mm. And as I say, I, I often say, um, so we have lots of demonstrations here. We have lots of, we have the, uh, a huge music uh, together against racism. They actually use the word together. Yeah. Uh, um, together against racism mm -hmm. movement. But they're all white. Yeah, and if you actually, and some of these movements, when you approach them and say um, they want to include the Black Lives Matter name because that's cool, that's from America, mm -hmm. and then Black Lives Matter says, "Well, we have two, we we know some black speakers," then they get offended. Yeah, I've met people; they get offended, and they and you you get that they people who really really want to to have black and brown people on the panel, if that person is in the role of a victim. Yeah. You have to come out and say, um, I'm Muslim, my father raped me and my brother beat me, uh, or um, I'm uh, some form of, some form of, uh, of victim. Yeah. Then you're allowed, and when you tell your problem while they get popcorn and get entertained, yeah. you know, you can see Netflix or you can go and see somebody sitting there telling their life and it doesn't cost you, but they, what you don't realize is when you're talking about these things, the person who opens their wound and tells you feels bad for a number of days after. Mm -hmm. But you, you have, you can go there and, um, and, and, and just appropriate and just take, grab their, sit there, feel entertained. And you've forgotten about it after half an hour, and you go, "Oh my God!" You could have seen, you could have seen a horror movie. Yeah, uh, it's the same entertainment, the same words, and you paid hundred kroner, and you come out, and then you go and out and eat and dancing afterwards. Yeah. But that person, what does it cost? And that person is allowed to tell their story, but please, 
do not come with solutions. Yeah. Because it is white people who know best. Who know how to imply the solutions. Yeah. They think themselves. Yeah. Now, I use this, I I have an anecdote for that. I ask when I'm invited to speak. Yeah. Who has fought the women's feminist uh, and women's struggle? Yeah. Who was it? Was it the men who came and said, oh, you know, we need to change some nappies and help with the washing? It's not fair that I'm sitting here. Honey, sit down. I'm a, I want to be a modern um, man now. And, and, and was it the men who came and said, hey, women, you need to start voting. No. Please come and vote. No. It wasn't. No. And if you look at the workers' movement, was it the, the owners of the companies? Was it the management who went to their workers and said, you know something, we need to have a minimum wage. We need to be able to give you a a working, a, a living wage so you can pay your rent. Yeah. We need to hire your wages. We, you know something? I think pay your pensions. It would be best if yeah. you had, if you had, exactly. I, um, I think you need a pension and I think you need to have Saturday and Sunday off. Or oh, let's I, say I, I insurance, really have, health insurance, for exactly. instance. I haven't, I haven't, I've had sleepless nights. Um, my conscience is killing me. I think we need to help you. No. No. People, the workers are the ones who stood there and told what they need. Yeah. And the women are the ones who, and up to today, they tell. They are still doing the same. This is what is still missing. And things that men would not even have thought of, and if it wasn't for them. And actually, the whole feminist movement would look completely different if it was led and made up of men. Of course. So why is it that the white left wing think that they can ask black and brown people to take a back seat and think they are the ones who will lead the, anti-racist. the, the, civil, uh, the anti-racist movement. Yeah. Perhaps we can discuss together about being anti, about being anti-fascist. Yeah. Maybe you can. We can. But as far as racist anti-racism is concerned, I won't say please sit down. Yeah, sit down and be humble. Mm-hmm. But I will say stand up, but be humble mm-hmm. and stand behind and ask. Ask, 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 which is why when I'm working, I am not a prisoner. I'm not a refugee in a prisoner in a prison camp. Yeah. So when I have um, when I make decisions in my struggle mm-hmm. that concern these people, I ask them. And if I can't even get in the prison, I find a, a prison, somebody who who is visiting the prison. I find a way to get a message inside mm-hmm. so I can. So if there's anything that where I can involve their decisions, and, and it's difficult in there, but with refugees, with asylum seekers, they are much more accessible. Yeah. So you ask, and you also, when, you have, when you're going to have a demonstration or something, you ask, they can speak. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have the... And, and why should I get the, the boss of, of Red Cross and of Dan- and Danish Refugee Council, who, are, who they can write a letter tonight, and it will be in the national paper debate uh, column tomorrow. Yeah. If they have an opinion, they get it with a click up, they have the microphone, they go on TV, they go, they can talk to the president, to the prime minister. Why should I give them the microphone and not give it to people who are not being heard, who are actually being concerned and touched? And, and they're the ones who live every day. I can talk about Shell's Mark Kevin will go 
elevate, but I go home and I sleep in my own nice house, in my, in my nice bed. I do not stay in those places. Mm-hmm. So, so it is, it, I, I need to take, this is an, a comparison, I need to take this struggle with respect. Yeah. With respect for the people who are who who are under and to listen to them and be humble in their presence because they are the they are the experts yeah. in this subject. I have never spent a night in such in the in these places, mm-hmm. so I should be humble and sit down. And it is the same thing. Uh, if there's anything that people uh, the white left wing want to appropriate uh, is is the is this uh, the the racist struggle without even knowing and and. In, in the way, what it's about, in the same breath that they are appropriating it, yeah. they are also, actually, if you make a, a whole march, everybody's white, and you've got a big racism, no, 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 stop racism sign at the bottom, but there's nobody black and brown, you haven't even invited, you haven't got, made an effort to go and say, please come and join us, yeah. then, then, uh, then that whole march is supremacist. Yeah. So sit down, and it's, it's, you might as well be Pegida or somebody else, because you, Pegida has no space for black and brown people, and neither do you. You are the same. And, you, and they like to, and this whole thing of we are good people, while you're excluding black and brown people for having a voice, that is, no, that, that is racism.
storm On the sunniest days of my life, I cried through him Moms was out the picture and pops, I barely knew him And I would pray to God, but I'm tired of lying to him Tired of trying to run from the things inside of us Got a lot of fam and a lot of admirers Who tell me that I should aspire to be changed But when I think of changing, it's like why even try this shit My mind hazy and my thoughts, they get distorted I know my good and bad deeds both get recorded You do right so your soul can last But my role was cast before I even auditioned for it So I don't really see an end of my vice It's just false reformation, no end of my strike Feel the evil overpowering You can go ahead, throw the towel in Cause nigga, that's the end of the fight When you can only see the tunnel at the end of the lights Lights out, party over, it's the end of your life This song you're listening to is called The The Roots, or it's brought to you from The Roots, and it's, it's called Now or Never. And now I'm trying to use this opportunity to remind everyone that change is not something that we can wait for. We either make that change now or never, because it's definitely going to be too late before we make the changes around us. So, but we're still in the studio, and we're still going to continue with the interviews or with the talk with... Uh, Bualia Sorensen and uh, we would encourage you very much to listen to the very last part of it because it's also very interesting, confronting and uh, a learning process for every one of us and I think that is something we all need to listen to or hear or learn despite how difficult it is to be able to um, know what to change it's good to listen and know what is wrong in our society I'm trying to get rid of these ghosts that's cursing me I feel a change is an absolute certainty Cause what's going on is a state of emergency is also a problem in this our whole movement why it's more like not we have this conflict some of the times of people who uh, even maybe have good wills of coming to support uh, the movement mm. but at the same yeah. time they do not understand how they appropriate the movement they need to be at the forefront of the movement they need to be seen that they are supporting the black community or the minority communities they have to be the ones leading it and when we say to them no you cannot come into the movement uh, let's say at the end or at the middle uh, and then become the leader of it why there has mm-hmm. been people who leave this situation who have been fighting for this situation before for either years, you were even years. born yeah. <laughs> or even before yeah. you even yeah, yeah. Uh, there's not a possibility that you are the one suddenly who are fighting for their rights now i mean we have the mm-hmm. solution in the west whereby we we are we look at the west as being very democratic uh, very human rights uh, fighters and the people who sort of like uphold that human rights um, uh, justice in the world but at the same time there are the so-called third world countries or the people who mm-hmm. the refugees foreigners who are coming here before they even mm-hmm. came here what has made them yeah. to flee from their countries is mm-hmm. demanding 
the, the social justice is demanding um, democracy in their countries. And directly or indirectly, whatever has made their countries to go apart, or to, to be destroyed, is directly or indirectly uh, pushed by the West. And exactly. then we come here fighting or asking that we want these human rights, we demand these human rights, either in the refugee camps, either what has made us flee, or the borders, or whatever it is, we are not recognized as people who actually are fighting for human rights. We are not seen as the leaders of the people who represent this. Anytime any group or NGO from the West takes upon this topic, which you see today, there are many things that are written about migrants, but not from the migrant perspective, from the academics mm. of the West. And mm. why they do this research, why they are writing these things, they are being taught by those communities, by those individuals who tell them about the real situation, the policies that has made them to flee, what put them in that situation. But those people are never seen as these fighters of the human rights. They are seen as people who come from a very low-class communities, do not have the rights or do not have the possibilities to run their own communities, except if a white person or if a white government, uh, a white, uh, uh, how do you call it, um, NGO, comes in and starts to talk about these issues that they have already been talking about, then suddenly it becomes legitimate. But when yeah, there is the yeah. communities talking about it, it's not legitimate. So I'm just trying mm -hmm. to talk into what you've been talking about before, about representation, about mm. acknowledgement and inclusion of the yes. people, the communities that are affected, that are fighting these things, uh, this injustice, yeah. to be seen as the people in the forefront and for the mm. people who sort of support that, who are not included, who have the privilege of this West, who embody that privilege, who benefit from that privilege every day, they cannot at the same time be seen as people who are fighting for human rights because these directly, these their privileges, these their, um, yeah, the privileges that they enjoy is actually some of the things that actually oppresses the communities in the other hand, where they say they are trying to fight for. So it's exactly. really wrong to assume that. Yeah. So yeah. 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 What's, what would you say to that? And also when we, in order to somehow come a bit more um, close to our conversation uh, for today, I wanted to ask you what you thought about uh, the harassment of activists or criminalizations of activists from our communities who try to... Um, fight or bring out the voices of what is happening between our communities to say, hey, this is happening and we need to educate the society about it. We also see a lot of people being criminalized uh, while they are doing that. What's the experience from the Black Life Matter or from you individually? What has been your experience in this? Oh, <laughs> not, not easy at all. Um, generally, of course, uh, I, we enjoy, uh, uh, to a certain extent, freedom of speech. I can say, I can write whatever I want on Facebook and criticize what I want on Facebook generally. Yeah. Uh, or uh, when I'm given a speech, I criticize white people in front of white people. Yeah. And uh, I actually come home and sleep <laughs> so with, without being in prison. I, I acknowledge that. And I'm, it's part of a system we have built in Denmark in, in this uh, uh, that has been built, but which I appreciate and um, and, and God. Yeah. Uh, but 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 I have been punished by the system. I have been punished for, uh, by this by uh, structural racism. Yeah. Um, what happened? Uh, there's a man 
called Rasmus Paludan. Yeah, who and, is running uh, for the poly, who, who ran for the elections this time? Yeah, he ran for the elections, and he has been running a YouTube channel and walking on the street protesting. Um, I, I knew him in an earlier context when he was part of uh, Pegida, yeah, uh, which they changed the name to For Freedom, um, where they marched every fr first Saturday, uh, asking for a Muslim-free or um, uh, uh, Denmark, uh, or perhaps even like a, uh, just a white Denmark. Um, and I began to I met him through when we were doing the. Uh, were in, in opposition, um, in demonstrations in opposition to this. Mm -hmm. Now, um, he is extremely, um, what do you call it, in Danish, you call it of maximum he He's an attention seeker. Yeah. He, psychopathically attention seeker. So he had been fighting with all his demonstrations to be able to get the attention of the press, and they ignored him completely. Mm -hmm. Originally, um, and then we a few times I've happened to come into the press, and uh, in last year there was a statue of uh, a black uh, Danish Caribbean from the old Danish uh, islands, yeah. um, who a black woman who had who had made the first uh, worker union rebellion yeah. in this. Denmark, because at that time it was Danish territory. Mm -hmm. And it's important to say that because many white men, and in all the books it claims they're white men, but no, she was the first. Yeah. Her and three other women, and they made a protest. And um, and a friend of uh, mine uh, made two two women, they made the uh, statue. The exhibition, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, called I Am Queen Mary. Yeah. Now, we thought it was elitist. That only it was only elite people from the university who knew about this, so we made a march and sent a press statement. Yeah. And there are many things the press ignores, or they don't ignore it, but they don't tell anybody that it was us. Uh, but this time they were very willing to tell mm -hmm. everybody that it was us, and they came and followed us with papers. This man did not like that he uh, that a black person had was being and our work was being highlighted in the papers and not while well, he has been ignored. Mm. So the next day he came to my house and he stood outside my house and he has a YouTube channel with a spewing hatred to everybody, black, brown and Muslim especially. And he showed and he made a video in front of my house showing exactly where I live and uploaded it onto his for his far right friends. Yeah. Actually, I've called it a fatwa, yeah. you know, a fatwa is like when uh, some extreme imam in the Middle East says, that person has to die. Mm. And this, I call it a fatwa, because he's trying to tell the far-right neo-Nazi and other unpleasant people, this is where she lives. She hates black people, mm -hmm. uh, white people, sorry. She hates, he claims, even though my roomie was blonde with blue eyes, mm -hmm. um, uh, and all my neighbors are white, but he says everybody who lives here and so on. And this is where... The press, the up to up until then, I should tell you, there had already been posters when he when they had uh, when he decided to form a party called Strum Course. Mm -hmm. He made posters instead of his face, which is the usual custom in this country. Yeah, and there were twenty names on that poster, and my name was number thirteen. Yeah, as to and it was spread all over the country. Yeah, I, I saw be, I saw that myself. Yeah, I should be deported from this country. 
and, uh, and, and dropped with a parachute in my country of origin, Zambia. Mm. So uh, I ignored that because I thought if I speak about it, if Black Lives Matter speaks about it, then he will be on the evening news. And I did not want to give him the exposure, so I kept quiet. Yeah. The, 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 the whole, in that group, there were like four or five Tequila people who made T-shirts with my face on. Mm-hmm. Um, they filmed me in public spaces when I was walking on Ostrobo, when I was in uh, Nurport Station. Yeah. When we protested that they were filming us, they filmed it and said, look, there she is attacking. Lots of lies, lots of, I had ignored everything. But this time he came to my house and I said, that is the limit. And I reported him to the police. Yeah. And the police um, looked through the video. They also felt this is not too much. They looked through the video and he had said many racist things because he's used to me. He, and they had complained before that they, they can't find him saying anything because he's a lawyer. Yeah. And he knows exactly where to draw the line, what to say. But this time he thought, this woman never complained. She's never said anything. I've done all sorts of things, put all things with her. She's never answered back. So he just talked. And I said, my origin is African. I'm like a crocodile. Mm. I'm lying just under the surface of the water and I'll let you swim. And when you start to relax and, and splash around, I will open my mouth and I will bite. And I bit. And I reported him there to the police. And, the, and April, this was last year, May. This year, the court date came, the 5th of April. He went to court. Yeah. He insulted, I should mention, he also insulted the South African people mm. and said, uh, I supported them because for their, and their black uh, democracy rule, mm. they should have left it in the hands of white people, that kind of rubbish and hatred he was saying. And we, me and the South Africans, we have a IQ of 07, which is actually retard, mentally handicapped retarded. Yeah. So we can't, so black people can't run a country, they should have left it to the white, that <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. So um, that is illegal. That is, and many other people have said illegal things, but he filmed it and he put it on his page that is as a leader of uh, evangelizing where he has 15,000 at the time, 50,000 followers. Yeah. So uh, this is spreading and, and uh, this is spreading hate. Mm. Um, and um, this case, uh, he got convicted two weeks uh, suspended. Of yeah. course, uh, he doesn't have to go jail, but if he does anything within a, he gets probation within a year, he has to go. Yeah. And within that same, now there's a law in Denmark, because the, the, the way things work in Denmark, if you get convicted for all kinds of things, unless it's, you're dangerous, they don't lock you up immediately. They contacted you maybe two months later when there's space in the prison and say, now it's your turn. Mm-hmm. And then you go there and you do your time. Yeah. Um, it might sound strange in other countries, but this is the way it works in Denmark. Um, now, what happened there was... Um, uh, but, and so for this reason, there's, there have been laws in place that if you harass a person who is where you, I took them, I did not uh, do a vigilante self-inflict, uh, go and revenge myself. I went to the, I went through the system legally mm-hmm. and went through the police and I went to a court of law yeah. and a Danish judge said, you are guilty to mm-hmm. this man. Yeah. Within hours, he was on my phone harassing me. He came to my house and filmed again, insulting me again. And that is illegal. That should mean jailing. Yeah. The local, this area's police 
arrested this. Uh, he, he said that is illegal. He knows it's illegal. He he brought people in from weekend when they had a weekend off. Yeah. Um, he tried to make an effort, but as always happens, as we always hear, there is some neo-Nazi-inspired person yeah. in the system, higher up in the system, and I will freely say a racist, who allows this man to do whatever he wants. Yeah, that's... And if somebody lower down tries to stop it, which is structural racism, and nobody else of the white people around him protests, yeah. or her, whoever it is, they just let it happen. Mm. They don't protest. They don't, uh, they don't open their mouth. So he came, did a demonstration here, except, yes, there are two parties, called one called Alternative, where one of our brothers, um, a black brother, uh, mixed uh, brother, he was, I phoned him, I happened to have his phone number and, and, and said, this is happening to me. Um, and he asked the justice minister, why are you letting this happen? Why are you allowing the police? Because this man has insulted so many people. He goes around burning Korans. He goes to what he calls ghetto areas, mm. where lots of uh, Muslims and Middle Eastern and other ethnic minorities live. And he, he, with two, three friends, and he kicks the Koran. He burns the Koran. And when he acts like that and insults, calls every Muslim are gay, even though he himself is, is um, I believe, yeah, I don't know. If, I, I won't say too much. <laughs> he hasn't said it out loud himself. Um, and, um, and, and this, of course, means there are a lot of people trying to hurt him. Mm-hmm. So he has constantly uh, people guarding him to protect his freedom of speech and his political opinion. Which is the police. So, so the police, he told the police, the, he told the police, I am going to, to Wally's house, uh, the leader of Black Lives Matter, to protest. To make a demonstration, and they let him. They didn't only let him; they came and guarded him. Mm-hmm. There's an organization called Close the Camp, mm-hmm. and who, in coalition with Walia, uh, with with the Black Lives Matter, which is um, Close the Camp, is now um, a collaboration between Shell's Mind and Careful Gore, where they used to work separately before. Mm. Um, some good activists who are who know a group of activists who really really know how to work with minorities in a respectful and considerate way without appropriating it. Yes, it can be done. I would say really not not work. all. There are some who are also appropriating the struggle, but that's for another day. Uh, absolutely, hundred percent. But very rarely you find people who listen. And these people. I almost got a little bit impatient because they will do nothing without... Whatever I ask them, whatever conversation, they'll say, we have to ask the people in care who will go in in Chelsea. Mm-hmm. They will never make a decision without them. Yeah. They ask them, and they're the ones who decided they wanted Black Lives Matter. Shellsmark wanted to, people, the refugees decided, they said, told them, we want to do it with Black Lives Matter, and we want Black Lives Matter to speak. It was their wish. Yeah. So, it's a, so this people, it is rare to find. And when I think when somebody does the right thing, I want to mention there yeah. are somebody. Yeah. Sure. Whereas sure. everybody, everybody else is doing. There are other groups, and they are just doing a whole uh, white white thing. Yeah. There's also a new uh, Eritrean lady who's also, but uh, just uh, to mention this, Eritrean sister who yeah. has started together with Push. Yeah. And she does nothing without. Actually, goes to each 
family in Shelsma and ask one at a time, what can we do for you? She doesn't make it just blanket decisions and does all, no. She mm -hmm. asks, uh, so she does not take over their struggle. She gives them the mic and she just is behind collecting, pushing and for what they want. Yeah. And so they, so they, it's very rare. So I appreciate it so much when I meet people who, and it's interesting, they would never, they, why didn't they think of, hey, let's call Wally? They never thought of it. It was the refugees themselves who said, please go and get Black Lives Matter. We want them to be part of our, our, our thing. So yeah. anyway, but, um, I, had a, I had a speech for two, I had a, it was a two-hour demonstration. When we reached Bonning Louise's Bridge, the bridge just before, when you're entering Nurport, yeah. uh, we, we stopped there, and there were 2,000 people on the bridge, and I gave a speech. I knew I was going to give a speech on that day, and I told the police, I am afraid something will have to go wrong this day. I have police. I don't. I cannot get police protection. No. I cannot get a restraining order on these people threatening me, but they have given me an alarm. Um, I gave a speech. It went well. Uh, I was nervous on my way home because I had spoken publicly, mm. and he does not like that, that I get that much attention. Mm. Uh, I went to bed and feel, okay, it went well. 2 a.m., I heard a big crash on my window. And I used my alarm, and the police came very quickly. And there was my front door was vandalized, and th this is a scare tactic. This thing has happened a few times. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I don't know what triggered him the next time when he he did another demonstration again. Um, uh, yeah, I can't remember because uh, what. It was something I spoke somewhere or something. Whenever I speak somewhere, then somebody comes and smashes my window. Or yeah. um, So yesterday I was on a debate panel and the whole place was sold out. They, you couldn't get a ticket there. It was free tickets, but you had to book a ticket. Yeah. Um, it was There were people lining up outside. It was impossible to get in. Um, it was by Redox, uh, a left-wing, very good debate panel. Yeah. And nobody, I did not sleep all night. And my roomie, we have not slept until 5 a.m. because we were expecting somebody to attack. Yeah. So this is my life. This is the cost of um, the harassment, the persecution. Um, uh, what happened, uh, he, uh, uh, I should say that he came here, he did that one demonstration. Um, the police uh, chief had said, he, he promised, he said, I, how can this such, such a thing be allowed? I will never allow it. But the, somebody higher up forced it through. Yeah. And he came, but then they said, um, they found out, um, this, uh, the police chief said it's too dangerous because there were lots and lots of Middle Eastern, um, and other young people and whites. It's necessary to mention that the, 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 the papers don't say it, but I think 30, 40% of them were white. Yeah. And they were here and, uh, and, um, during this, and they were kept calm while we had our, uh, counter demonstration. Somebody read from the Quran mm -hmm. because I felt I'm Christian, but I felt that was important because he's been kicking the Quran and burning the Quran. So I wanted to show solidarity yeah. to my Muslim brothers and sisters. Yeah. And uh, we were speeches. We did slogans. It was a very pleasant day. But he, but Rasul was not allowed to come because the police chief said it is too dangerous. Mm. So Rasul he came another day. He announced a new demonstration. After now he was accepted, and now he had 
he was going to be on the ballot and he had enough signatures to be in the election. Mm -hmm. I thought now he has the election, the signatures he needs. And the police said to me, he doesn't care now. He won't be coming back. But he came back and he did another demonstration. This time there were like 100 police in the area. And, but nobody, I said to them, can, just, can you send one person to guard my house? No, they refused. And this time, um, I said, I'm going to do a counter demonstration. And uh, the police said, no, you can't. And the whole point has been freedom of speech, freedom of speech for Rashmus Pederson. Hmm. He has to have the right to, and you can't, put a, you can't stop him speaking. Now, I was asking for a, dem a legal demonstration, and I was refused. And I said, yeah, but I live here. No. And I said, okay, fine. I will cancel that demonstration. But I'm telling you now, I'm having a private party in my own garden, in my own area. Mm -hmm. No, you cannot. You have to stay in your house that whole time. So you cannot tell me to do that. My friends can be. I had to have this argument. I said, no, we have forbidden it. I was in tears. I called member of parliament, and I couldn't even speak. I was so upset. And he made two phone calls. The policeman came back, the, the, the leader of the whole circus. He came back and he said, okay, you're, um, you're allowed, to, you can have your demonstration. Mm. Because it is illegal to stop me having a demonstration. Yeah. I don't have to ask permission to have a demonstration. I can just inform you that, by the way, I need to tell you I am going to have a demonstration. Which, which, um, and, and my demonstration actually was just about keeping the boys calm because last time they called, when they left here, went to about half a kilometer down the road, they called a riot. Mm. They got, when we all left, the young boys left. They, they, I don't know what went wrong, what happened, who provoked, who, what happened, but there was tear gas, there was burning, and this meant, this meant, um, people reacted all around the country and they gave this racist, uh, Russell's favor, they gave him enough votes. So get into so, the parliament. So, yeah, so, yeah, so uh, not to get in, but to get onto the ballot. Yeah, um, to the list. So when um, we're also talking about not to cut you short, but when we are also because we are coming to the end of the talk, just to emphasize to the our listeners, when we are also talking about like um, freedom of speech or the freedom to be able to express, um, and how also, let's say, people like when we mention minorities, Black Lives Matter, or other organizations in Denmark or around Europe that are actually fighting in order to um, stop all these sort of harassments or all these sort of uh, hatred that is being portrayed in the society, we also see a systematic reaction that enables those individuals to continue to perpetrate those communities and uh, vandalize them so that's also why just to highlight that this is a systematic thing that is happening within the communities whereby yeah, the people yeah. who who uh, have the right to speak or who decide what is human right and what is not or what is free speech and what is not who is free speech uh, uh, entitled to and who is not uh, we only see that this freedom of speech uh, freedom of expression is mainly for those uh, people who are mainly dominant, dominantly yeah, if white. You're, if you're insulting, if you're insulting Muslims, and you can say whatever you want, then um, as long as you do that. Um, but there's a synagogue 
a Jewish synagogue in the middle of the city. Mm-hmm. If you just take a picture, if you're walking too slowly in front, the police will attack you. Mm. If you if you uh, take a picture or do something like just a little funny move, yeah. the police will. And I and I mean, people have been thrown to the ground. Mm. White and black people have thrown to. They don't even before they ask you nicely, they throw you in the. You answer while you're li- they're lying on top of you. This is how they react. So if I said tomorrow I'm going to burn the Jewish holy book, the Talmud. Mm. and have a demonstration in front of the synagogue, will they let me? Nobody's no, going to let you do that. Yeah, it's, no. So, so, and, I, and, and when he came here, he had a fight with a politician uh, on TV and mm. called her a Nazi, a Nazi, even though she's a wonderful woman. He, 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 I, said, I asked the police when they came here, I said, are you going to let him demonstrate in front of her house? And mm. they said, no. So is that freedom of speech? Or is that racist? Uh, is it valid for some people and not for others? Mm. And um, and I should say, I should tell you as well, that this thing, when Russell Spainer has been to my house to demonstrate, I can tell you that everybody, the, the whole left wing, everybody in the left was represented on my parking lot. Mm. Everybody came. A whole within this, I got the news in the night and he was going to come at two o'clock. By that time, a whole double-decker bus came from Nurburgring, a whole cavalcade of cars came from this is and this is what we need to do more of mm. and and uh, that's the good news the bad news is the press was here the, there were tv2 was here they refused to tell the story yeah they just said he's in albert Sloan and near black lives matter they just said a little sentence somewhere down they did not and tv2 they said near this woman they said the woman what woman? No name, nothing. Why is he there? Why aren't you telling that my house is being vandalized? Yeah. Quiet. Not silencing. This is structural racism. I had to write readers' letters until a communist small paper published my complaint. This is when, after three days, uh, then, um, then uh, Balinska did a huge, and I came on the front page. Otherwise... The, the journalists, there were some journalists who talked to me on my parking lot, but their editors, they put the story in the rubbish. They didn't mm. even want to talk about it. All they wanted to talk about was the brown boys who had burnt something. The next time uh, Wasus came back and there was no burning, they didn't even mention that something had happened in Albertsland at all. That's also why I was talking about like the appropriations of like um, what is violence in our society and who portrays the yeah. violence and when it's who uh, that is actually dominated in the media or in the uh, political discussion uh, when yeah. it's done by the, the the people who is embodies the system itself or who the system who has the privilege in the system nobody does criticize oh. that um, it's been yeah. an, it's been really been amazing to be in this discussion with you mrs Boalia Sorensen, and uh, we yeah. really love yeah <laughs> mrs miss, miss, miss. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry yeah. to say that. Uh, Miss uh, uh, Bolia Sorensen, I mean, we appreciate what you do. We appreciate the fight you put up in our communities, and we need more people like you to keep on fighting for us. And for those of you who have been listening to what we've been discussing so far, um, we need to somehow bring these conversations into your doorstep. We need you to listen yeah. to it. Uh, because, yeah, uh, and when there's so much 
silencing by the press, I would like to thank you very, very much yeah, I mean, for this... the effort that you are making to make our voice heard, to, oh, to give us a microphone. Thank you so much for this work. Yeah. It is so important. Yeah, I mean, when we talk mm. about like uh, the media, we also know that it's an institution of the corporation. So we know that we need an uh, an. Uh, an alternative voice to represent ourselves, to talk about ourselves. So that's also why we encourage not just people in the community, but also in this society to most of the times hear the alternative of what is happening, hear the truth from the people who are living it themselves. So mm -hmm. to this end, we say thank you very much for coming into the Bridge Radio and FSK today and uh, talking to us. We really appreciate you. We also appreciate what you do and say you should keep on with the good work. And I hope that other people can also uh, emulate what you do and work as you do in our community. Thank you very much for coming onto the show. No, you're welcome. All right. Thank you. All right, thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. The Bridge Radio.